going to talk about a few things that I didn't get a chance to talk to about uh, with you guys yesterday. And um, one of the questions that I had from somebody came into the group was uh, they wanted to, which I didn't get to, sorry. They wanted to know about arresting for Title 39 offenses, which in New Jersey, it's MV offenses. And what's interesting is this translated well into a discussion we had at the out-of-state class at South Dakota, where a lot of guys didn't know you could make an arrest for an MV offense when somebody was subject to a summons and you couldn't figure out who they were, or you felt like they were hindering their apprehension, there was a charge you could use. And a lot of guys in half the class did use it, and other half didn't. So we were able to achieve that for the out-of-state guys through discussion in class. So I'm going to talk about this today, and I'm going to explain to you the circumstances. And I've done videos about this in the past, but I know a lot of people who are new to this group have never heard this before. And I want to give a refresher, and hopefully you guys will be able to go out. What I'm telling you is when you hear this and I explain it, don't get confused on it. Um, Make sure if you like what you hear, which you should, because it's a huge tool and it's one that I always start my classes off with because it's so important and I can't understand how people are not using it in New Jersey. I would like you to take this video and show it to your bosses or translate it well back to them in a diplomatic fashion and not in a, hey, we're idiots. Why aren't we doing this? It's, hey, we can do this. Why aren't we doing this? Okay. So I'm going to read a case to you and it's literally 33, I'm sorry, 20, 1994. That would make it. 23 years old. May a police officer, and the question is, so here's this case, this case called State versus Pierce. It's a really uh, benchmark case in New Jersey history. And you're, if you're watching this and you're out of state, which a lot, obviously we have a lot of members now. So if you're watching this, you probably have similar stuff. My advice to you is to go dig into what you have and see if what you have is similar to this. It should be. What I found so far from people from Virginia, Maryland, New York, Connecticut, people have come to the training, have said, like, honestly, it's the same shit in our state that you're teaching in this class. So it's a good refresher for people. Um, so we have this, this benchmark case that comes out in Pierce. And when you read a case or a case law, I'm going to include the hyperlink. You can read through it. You really, sometimes the details of the case and what transpired that we're addressing don't reflect exactly what we're looking to get out of it. However, we always have to look at what was the question asked during case law. It's not that all the details and it has to be exactly the same. And the main question here that was asked in state versus Pierce was may a police officer arrest, uh, any person who violates that officer's presence, any provision of Chapter 3 or Chapter 4, Title 39. And here's what the consent decree was. Here's what the judges said. It said, no, although 39.525 imposes no limits on an officer's authority to arrest for traffic offenses, the statute not be read literally. Now, what they're saying that is years ago, before there was traffic offenses, you would be arrested for a motor vehicle violation. There was not a lot of cars on the road. Crime was, it was, wasn't, his, well, wasn't what it was now. And if it was, it wasn't reported because there was no cell phones and some people didn't even have telephones. So in like the 30s, if you had a motor vehicle violation, they didn't have tickets to write you. That changed, I believe, somewhere in the 40s or 50s. So you were actually brought into the police station and, and processed. And then I guess in the 40s or 50s, whenever that time came about, they said, hey, look, um, we're going to give you guys these things called motor vehicle summonses. You're not bringing people in for this crap anymore. Give them a summons. Tell them they got to show up to court or pay the fine, and that'll work. So that's what they're talking about when they talk about 39.525. When this case, when this law was developed, uh, it empowered police to make arrests. So the courts limited that. So they took that and they corrected it with case law. So that's what case law does. It corrects the existing law. And it clarifies what you can and can't do. It dictates how police work in the field. So here's what it says. The other, there are other sources of law that suggest an officer's authority to arrest under 525s. And this is the source of law that we're talking about. And on top of that is also court rules 3 colon 4 dash 4 1. I'm sorry, 3 colon 4 dash 1, 3 colon 3 dash 1 C. And I'll add all this stuff up in here. And 7 colon 2 dash 3 B. And it says an arrest is necessary to protect the public safety. So we know 
if you're pulling somebody over and they're drunk driving, um, you're going to make the arrest. That's common, right? So it, it goes with it. If you ever thought about it, like what's interesting is what makes it okay to arrest somebody for a drunk driving when it's also a motor vehicle violation in New Jersey? Now, not in other states. There's a, I know most states it's a crime in New Jersey. It's a motor vehicle violation. You actually don't get fingerprinted in New Jersey for motor for DWIs. Interesting enough for the guys who are who are in this group that are from other states. Still has imposed jail times and all that stuff and license suspensions, but it's just the statute that dictates it is a different one than what you would find in another state where it's criminal code that dictates the DWI. Um, so this is actually the case that really allows you to arrest for DWI. So public safety, a lot of towns, if you're watching, uh, and I tell this to, to guys in the class, 39.3-40, um, which is driving while suspended, that is something that a lot of towns arrest for mandatory. It's a mandatory arrest. Uh, in New Jersey, you can go either way. You're allowed to arrest for it. You don't have to. We usually issue summonses. A 3-10 unlicensed driver. That's another one that, you know, other state that, that there's some towns where it's a mandatory arrest. So you have those statutes up. 4-49.1, CDS and a motor vehicle is considered a serious offense or a necessary to protect public safety. That would be considered one of those offenses, and that's addressed in state v. judge. That that's considered one of those offenses that you can make an arrest on Title 39 just for the odor of marijuana in a car or some kind of CDS offense where you've developed some kind of, uh, you know, probable cause regarding the CDS. And the, the second half, it's the most important half that I'm trying to convey to you today is it says or to assure that the offender will respond to a summons. So someone with no identification and you can't figure out who they are. So the point is this. and I've always made this point in class and. Thousands of guys have taken and girls have taken the training, and we always use this example. I'm going to use it for you now to help you understand what I mean. If you are out and you, uh, you know, you're on patrol, you see a car. Here's your example, and the front seat passenger, which in New Jersey is a primary violation, is not wearing his seatbelt. You would stop the car. You get the driver's information. Then you're going to ask the passenger for his information. Hey, man, you weren't wearing a seatbelt. Do you have your license on you? No, officer, I don't have my license. Okay, step out. Let me talk to you over here. Let me get some information from you. Why do we do that? We don't want you to hear. Uh, we don't want this guy, the passenger, to let the driver hear what he says his name is. Because when he's lying about his name and the driver already heard what he said, he's going to co-mingle. He's going to you know, he's gonna be his co-defendant on it. So you want to separate it. So if you step out of the car and he says his name is Joe Sharp and you go back to the, to the car, he's like, no, that's Jim Jones. Now you know you have a problem. You've built more of a case. But let's say you have this guy step out of the car. Hey, what's your name, sir? He tells you Joe Sharp. Mr. Sharp, your date of birth, uh, 1127-1981. Okay, Mr. Sharp, 1127-1981. All right, uh, cool. Your social security number? Well, I, I, I don't know my social officer. Okay, well, you've been in this group long enough now. You have those magic words. You have somebody who's wanted, who has warrants. All right, so Mr. Uh, Sharp, you don't know your social. Okay, that should be a real big clue, real red flag that's going up. Uh, okay, Mr. Sharp, uh, how old are you? Uh, I'm 30. I'm 38. Mr. Sharp, you just told me that you were born 1981. It is 2017. There is no possible way that you are 38 years old. That's incorrect. Okay, well, well, yeah, I'm 36. Mr. Sharp, you're not 36 yet. Your birthday's in three weeks. Um, so I'm 35. I'm going to be 36. Okay, you go back to your car. You get on your MDT. You plug in the numbers. And uh, the information, and it comes back, no NGSP want, no DMV record, no NCIC found, nothing. It's just a ghost. You call your dispatch center because you think they're going to run a better search than you could. And you ask the dispatcher, hey, could you run this guy? She come back with nothing, or he, usually it's she, sorry, let me do sex as well. Uh, there's, there's he's too, I know. Um, 
So she comes back and says, no, there's nothing found on that guy either. Okay, cool. You go back to the guy. You ask him again. He gives you the same bullshit answers. He doesn't know his social. He's clearly a person who probably was licensed, maybe hadn't even been incarcerated at one point. You're not dealing with somebody who's a who looks like the most upstanding citizen in the world. You have to have known that this guy has got to be in trouble at least once in his life or has something on record. And you're asking questions, sir, is there anything you have? I don't have anything. Is anybody can testify to it? Uh, you know, you got all this stuff, you know, who can tell us who you are? And you just have nothing. And you come up at the end and guys always make excuses like, well, I'll ask him a ton of questions. Like I'm talking about the end when you don't have any other means of finding out who this person is. The question is, what do you do at this point? If the answer to this is not arrest him, you're wrong. Okay. And you're allowed to make the arrest on this because you have now have somebody who's subject to a summons who cannot produce identification. We don't know who they are. Now we know that the person more than likely has warrants. Okay. You're a cop. Um, and the courts allow this to be done so much so that I got to tell you, I've done this hundreds and hundreds of times. And every class we have, we have people raise their hands. And the question I pose to the guys who do it, I had a guy yesterday tell me he did it a dozen times in the past two months. And the question I have for him is how many internals have you had? And he said, goose egg. And I said, how many, how many times have you been in prison for violating the law? I said, no. I said, how many times have you found something incident to arrest? I said, a couple of times. I said, how many times did that go to court and it was adjudicated and there was a disposition made where it was guilty or not guilty? He goes, guilty. Never had a problem with it. And the answer to that is, you want to know why? I'm talking about search incident to arrest when you find drugs after making an arrest on a motor vehicle fence under these circumstances is because it's legal. So you're allowed to do this. Um, maybe your department never heard of this before. I'm just curious what you would do if you didn't do this. You have a guy who's clearly lying to you. And a lot of people say things like, well, my sergeant says to just write the name that he gave us and let him go. We don't do things like that here. You don't do things like that here because you don't know you can. And I thought I'm here just to bridge the gap between administrations and and uh, patrol division or whoever or subordinates, if you want to say it. So take time to read this, understand it. You may pose this question to somebody who you consider to be a legal expert. I will have you know that really, really be very careful and who you're asking their opinion on things, especially in New Jersey law enforcement, because somebody reads case law doesn't mean they understand case law. We have a lot of that going on um, because somebody may have a degree like this or like a, like a certificate and they have a job somewhere and it says that they have a law degree. It doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Okay, I, I, make the, I make the point all the time, Forrest Crump graduated college, but I wouldn't want him representing me in a defense. So make sure you talk with somebody who understands what this is. I mean, simply so. I mean, I did this for years, and then I had an AP ask me if we could do this. And I said, you've been the zone AP here, and I've been doing this. I don't know why you're asking this question. You've never had it. So it's just interesting. Just be careful who you're asking questions uh, you know, through and what you're asking them for, for the correct answers. So I would never set you up with something that would lead you in the wrong direction. I want you guys to go out and do this job correctly. This is true. This can be done. It's done. And I would let, I would implore, and I'm going to ask people in the group who are watching this video, please comment and let us know if you do this as well, because there's hundreds and hundreds of guys and thousands of guys and girls that do this in law enforcement. Please in this group, right? I do it. Never had a problem. Great arrests all the time. So you can do this. Uh, the name of the game is to not let somebody go. And then like they, Miss court and you'll find them again. Like it's crazy. If you think you got, you know, you got somebody warrants. You're like this, Sarge, this guy's got warrants. Let him go. Like because we don't know what to do. Now you do. Now if you do the same thing again, you take those behaviors and you let them go. Now you're a fool. Now you can be pointed at and go, well, you knew better. I had a guy who came to my class. If you're watching, dude, I'm not going to say your name. 
And I'm sorry for using it as an example. He came to my class. This was thoroughly explained. He was a, an administrator at his agency. And when he came back a second time, he said, hey, are you guys implementing this now? And he said, no, we're not. And I said, why? He went, I don't know. So even though he knew that you could do this, I don't know where the thought is, is why you're not comfortable in reading case law, understanding that this is the law, and then employing it. Go into your SOP. A guy wrote me the other day. What's up, Brian? And he said, oh, I guess I can't do this at my agency. His agency's SOP mimicked state versus peers. It was literally written almost verbatim under state versus peers. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, you can just read. It's the same thing. It says exactly this. So he's allowed to do it. It's an SOP. No. So guys, just look into this stuff. Okay. Uh, next subject. If you have questions about that, you can write in. You can write during the group, during the live session here. I'll answer any questions you have. I'm going to go to my second question. Uh, George Carball, who's in the group, uh, we did a video yesterday. He asked about, there's always a little confusion between state v. Ireland and PC searches and safety searches and search engine to arrest. So let me try to be real clear. In New Jersey, and this probably applies for every other state, in state versus William Whitmer. I'm going to back out of this just to go to the, to the language that I need. So I want to quote it correctly. Just hold on one second. Let me just go to my wit slide so I can verbatim give it to you. Okay. Makes sense for everybody. Bear with me one second. In wit. In the ruling in 2015, if this isn't new enough for you, here's what it says. PC in a car. This is what you can search it. Exit circumstances are not uh, are inherently in the motor vehicle due to its mobility. It says significantly, we also made clear in Austin Super that merely because the particular occupants of the vehicle may have been removed from the car, arrested, or otherwise restricting the freedom of movement, police were not required to secure a warrant when probable cause was present. This is contradictory to echo, which is different. Let me explain it. You pull somebody over, the car smells like weed, or you have a DWI arrest, you've done the SFSTs, your DRE came out, he touched skin and took blood pressure. And he says, yes, this guy's on uh, an opiate. At that point now, they can be arrested, put them back in the car, transported. But that from Ireland allows you to go in and search for the product of intoxication because there's PC tied back to the vehicle. How is that different? Or if you had the odor of marijuana in a car, I hate to use that because it looks like after today, Boys and girls in New Jersey you may not have that much longer uh, if we'll see how the, the voting goes. I haven't checked the polls, but marijuana can be a very different topic. And I'll, I'll give you my theories on it when it comes out and how I think it's going to be reasonable suspicion, uh, not probable cause anymore. So um, we're going to we got some things to work out when that happens. But anyway, back to this. If you had the odor of marijuana in the car, let's say you pull a guy out, and you search him and he's got a bag of weed in his pocket and you arrest him at that point. You put them in the back of the car. That doesn't stop that search. It says it right in William Witt. That search does not stop because he's been arrested. That search continues because there's probable cause in the vehicle. What Eccles said was this. Years ago, for the people who haven't been on the job longer than 12 years, years ago, when you stopped the car and you had a guy, maybe a driver, who had a seatbelt warrant for $75, you affected the arrest and you got to search the car without probable cause incident to arrest, almost like a backpack or a bag or their person. And then we lost that in State versus Echo in 2006. And then the rest of the country lost that in 2009 in Arizona began. Okay, so don't get it confused. There is no search incident to arrest of a motor vehicle minus probable cause. But when probable cause exists to search the car, the arrest does not affect the ability to search. I think that's a really nice explanation of how it's, how it's supposed to be done. Hopefully that clears a lot of stuff up for people. 
let's not get caught up in the confusion. When there's probable cause to search, you can search. Doesn't matter whether the guy's in handcuffs or not. Don't let anybody tell you any differently. Um, if you're experiencing that, send it my way or you want to discuss it. I'm not here to fight with people. I just want to clarify things. I'm, I try to live my life as as non-confrontational as, per, as, as, uh, as I can. I just don't want people to get confused and misunderstand what they can and can't do. Let's make this phone call and see if this guy's going to answer the phone. I'm going to throw it on speaker. So I'm running this live shot from my phone. So I can use somebody else's phone. Give me one second. Let's see if we can answer. I don't even know what his question is. No clue. Let's see if I'll answer. If not, we're going to be SOL. And if somebody wants to write a question in while we're waiting, that's how I'll wrap up this video. Then that's how we'll do it. Hello? Hey, what's up, man? Don't say your name because I don't want to keep you anonymous. Uh, that's how I prefer to do it. What's up, brother? How are you? Sorry to bother. I was checking through uh, a bunch of videos trying to see if I could. I wasn't missing it. I don't want to uh, keep asking all these questions. Dude, you can ask me all the but, questions you want. The only thing I ask in return. Oh, never mind. I'm not going to this again. Silly live video. Go ahead. Ask me your question. You can always ask me questions. All right. Well, here's the thing. One of the guys had answered. It. It's a reference to weed. I know we try to stay away from that because eventually it's going to be legal. Um, but I kind of answered this for him, and I wanted to get more of a concrete uh, answer and also give him a reference to the case law that goes along with it. Sure. Um, so basically, if we if we have some uh, odor coming out of the car, you know, in motor vehicle stop, we know we have the car and the bags inside, um, and even possibly the, the trunk based on, you know, additional circumstances, the canine and Right, right. Stuff like that. And not only that, you can search the just for the for the video purposes. You can search the people under state versus judge, and the driver can be arrested on the odor of marijuana alone at this point for thirty nine four dash forty nine point one. Good. Okay, with with those two things that you just mentioned about about um, pulling everybody out and everyone can be searched where it's coming from, um, and also um, you can be arrested for the odor. So now let's take that and let's turn it into a um, you know a field a field security maybe something. Uh, there's no motor vehicle laws that applies. We're just, you know, uh, bullshitting with the guy. And while we're talking to him, we smell an odor. Um, of marijuana. He, he, he has, yeah, he has a backpack on him, um, on you know, on his person. And you smell the odor of marijuana. Um, I know we can search him. Uh, and he could also be arrested for that, uh, for the, the odor of marijuana. But do we also get the bag? Well, here's a cool little trick, right? So you're going to have this guy stopped. He has a bag on him. As you're talking to him, you're developing the odor of marijuana. If you don't think at that moment, it really warrants you having to make the arrest for marijuana. Uh, and this is just advice. This is kind of like a little off. Like this doesn't go in accordance with the SNAP directive and mandatory arrest for CDS offenses. It's crazy when we really get into the schematics things, what you're really supposed to be doing. But this is advice. If you're saying like, hey, man, um, you know, you're uh, you. You have anything illegal in the bag, and he's really, be de really being defensive, and he smells like weed. Like my advice to you is make the arrest, search the bag, incident to arrest. That's what you're going to do. Um, that that's that's the easiest way to go about it. The only other way I could tell you is like if you didn't want to make the arrest, you would remove the bag, uh, take it to the side, call for a canine unit, let the canine unit sniff the bag, and then go for a warrant for the bag. That's what you'd have to do. Those are your two options, or your third option is. Go back to 7-Eleven, grab a coffee, and, and call it a day. Um, but really, the search incident to arrest, you're going to get the backpack with that. If he smells like weed, make the arrest, search the bag, incident to arrest. The case is State versus George Myers. has nothing to do, although this was a setting of a motor vehicle in Myers after a sh possible shooting. 
Um, this is what the court said in Myers. The smell of marijuana itself can suffice to furnish a probable cause that a criminal offense has been committed. The smell of marijuana gave Trooper Gore uh, the right to arrest the defendant for committing an apparent marijuana in his presence. It has nothing to do with a motor vehicle violation. It had to do with the odor of marijuana on somebody's person. The circumstances in this case was a motor vehicle stop, but it didn't matter. It could be done in real life as well. And just to continue on with that, for people who are watching the group want to learn this stuff, the in-presence requirement is satisfied by the trooper's use of his sense of smell, much in the same manner as if he had used his sight, hearing, or touch. In any event, subject to any pertinent defenses, possession of any quantity of marijuana is an offense under 3510A4. The distinctive odor of burnt marijuana is evidence of such possession. A strong odor is not required attention to the characteristic smell of burnt marijuana by a trained, experienced state trooper emanating from the passenger compartment of a legally stopped motor vehicle created probable cause to believe that the violation of the law had been or was being committed. The appropriate charge is 2C3510A4 and a complaint on your, uh, your PC on your complaint is odor of marijuana. Sounds crazy. If you've never heard this before, I'm sure it sounds nutty, but it is the truth. It's not debatable. The case was a gun case. The guy was arrested and searched incident to arrest and a gun was found. And the, they tried to suppress on it and he couldn't get it suppressed because the court said, it's good. It's 3510 when somebody smells like weed, the arrest was valid. So that's the circumstance. And dude, I went to a long-winded explanation because we are live and I want people to understand where this stuff is coming from. So last time we did a video on State versus George Myers, I do two follow-up videos. There's other videos on it. Like this is not a debatable thing. There is no ifs, ands, or buts whether you can do this or not. I don't give a fuck what your people think or your fucking lieutenant thinks. The case law is the case law. You can arrest for the odor of marijuana and Nobody can argue with that. You want to argue with it, go down to U.S. Supreme Court. I'm sorry, the New Jersey Supreme Court. And you could dis you could discuss that with them, actually, the appellate division. But that's that. That's satisfying. Right, so just, just to uh, um, put it all together real, real short, pretty much that bag isn't actually part of his person. So in order to get the bag, you're locking him up. Um, I would say, I would say, dude, I would say the bag is part of his person, to be honest with you. Like, but it depends where the bag is on him. You know, like, is he, I, I don't know. Like, it's weird. The circumstance could be different. I'm going to say, look, if you could lock him up and search the bag incident to arrest, which is probably your safest bet, you're saying, hey, we can also search because we can arrest. Should we just search the bag? Like, play it your way, man. Like, it really depends on what the situation feels like. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know that there's probably been a ton of times that guys are just, the bag and you know uh, we were just talking you know in the office about it and it's probably been done a lot of times i'm just wondering if it's it actually legit you know because we're not we haven't been arresting people for the odor of marijuana so i know you can i watch videos of you know mvrs of uh, the troops doing it and i have the case on it you know we try to you know try to get the good stuff stay away from the weed but it's gonna be that one time that something's gonna come out of it and somebody asked me a question and i, I i'm like yeah you can search it you know as long as it's on hand it wasn't like you know 20 feet away in the campsite yeah. that he was you know, hanging out at. I mean, I, I, I like that too. You know, dude, like, I, I think you're good on that. Um, I will also tell you that, like, I'm not encouraging everybody to go out and start stopping people who smell like weed and putting handcuffs on them. What I'm encouraging is this. When you have a guy who's not being cooperative or maybe he's in a motor vehicle setting and you don't have, he was wearing a seatbelt, he didn't ash out the window or throw debris out the window and you have no other way to compel identification to identify this person and you think they're wanted, it's a good way to use the handcuffs to bring them in to find out who the fuck they really are. See what I'm saying? Right. So I'm not saying go out and lock it because like if you did, like literally you can go to the mall tonight, stand at the entrance and just go like every time somebody walks go through, go and about the fifth person is going to smell like weed and you have your first arrest of the night. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's a good right. tool to use, although we have no discretion according to SNAP. 
which is a statewide narcotics action plan, the AG guideline, although we have no discretion in this, like technically like there is discretion in it. You know what I mean? So people are like, Oh, you know, I don't like my bosses said we couldn't make arrests for this. I'm like, you're technically your bosses are directing you not to uh, follow an AG guideline. If you really think about it in the grand scheme of things, you have a duty to arrest for a CDS offense. You smelled marijuana. There's case law that says it's arrestable offense and you're in malfeasance of duty for not making the arrest. That's a real technical term. I'm not trying to give anybody fuel to get somebody else in trouble, but the point is, is it's so legal, it's ridiculous. Uh, and you guys should really get comfortable with it and use it. It's a great tool while we have it for the next hundred days. If you can use it, use it. Don't be afraid to use it, man. All right. Just got to get the bosses. You got to explain it to the bosses thoroughly. That's what these videos are for. Let the bosses watch them. And look, are there some bosses that watch these videos and like are like, yeah, okay, we're really going to do that here. It doesn't matter what the opinion of me is. I'm here on a video trying to translate to people case law and what you're allowed to do. Whether or not your department adopts it or they're comfortable with it, that's up to them, man. I'm not the boss. I get the guys that understand what this means. You may call an AP who has no idea what you're talking about because the AP graduated college 18 years ago, your, your municipal prosecutor, and they haven't opened up a friggin' book in, in 10 years. Of course, you're not going to see this stuff. Um, you know, so you may run into that. Um, but if I talk to anybody who knows case law well, like somebody that's a respected case law person, they're going to tell you the same thing that I do. I, I often want to bring somebody in here just to sit next to me and go, yeah, he's right. You know, like somebody, I know a few guys that I like, even when I'm a little like, if I find myself to be unclear at all on some case law, I'll, I'll make a phone call to these fellas. I, I value their opinion so much that I'll, uh, you know, I'm like, Hey man, like, what do you think of this? How do you interpret it? You interpret it like I do like, yeah, we do the same thing. I'm like, cool. So that, that's my advice, dude. I hopefully I, I meant, I kept it long winded because again, we're on video. I'm trying to really thoroughly explain things. So this can translate well to the other 6,400 people at this current junction in our, in our group that watch this video. Yeah, no, no, no problem at all. I totally appreciate it. Like I said, I, I, I hate to keep, you know, calling you and texting you. Dude, I don't care. Hey, dude, like, think about this. Like, like it's crazy that you call these people, and I'm not – I wish it was a perfect world. I wish I'd say, call your AP. They're they're geniuses. But, like, I can't tell how many times I've called, and, like, they didn't know answers, and everybody gets this 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 response. Like, well, I don't know the answer to that one. I'm not really clear. You know, it's not like my cup of tea, but I'm going to call the guy that knows that, and I'll call you back. And then you never hear from them again. And then you're emailing and calling. They don't want to answer your phone. They're dodging your calls. Right. So – Sometimes I tell people, like, yeah, your best bet is to make friends with a really good defense attorney, like, really good. You know, maybe bring them out to dinner for a lobster or something like that. Like, I call you and ask you questions. And even then, dude, like, we've had defense attorneys that don't know their ass from their elbow they're talking about. I've had cases where guys ask me to review, and I'm like, oh, this case is shot, man. It's bad. You didn't advise the right to fuse. And I'm like, yeah, they pled guilty. Their attorney led them that way. I'm like, the attorney, like, people are paying thousands of dollars for attorneys that don't even know how to apply case law. Like I said, that magic piece of paper, like something like that looks like this or this behind me, it doesn't equal that you're smart. It showed that you can read, uh, you know, ingest and regurgitate on paper to pass an exam. But really the, 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 the smarts of it is this, uh, like, you know, you're just who you are, your DNA. So if you don't understand this shit, like, you know, like, and they're not, there's no humility dude either. Like, there's no humbleness. Like, I don't really understand this. You know, I know I'm this guy, but I don't really get it. 
Um, there's not a lot of humility in this business either. People will not right. they will not lay down the sword and say that they're wrong. Uh, just the way it's the nature of this of this business that we're in. So that's it. My last question for you is: I have a question for you on a scale of one to ten. What would you put me at, like in your book? Oh, you're all the way at the top. Like, give me a number, dude. Like, don't leave me hanging. I'll, I'll give it a ten because I, you know, uh, since I got your cell phone number, I text you. You get back to me right away. You email me right away. Uh, anytime you know, I send you something. You take kind of put it in the group. So, yeah, besides that, like, like, like looks, dude. Looks wise. <laughs> Come on, man. To ten, right? You look, like, I, I, you, look, you look like you're doing all right, though. You know, with the family and the, the house and those stuff, I think you're doing all right. Thanks, bro. Give away a position right now in the group. That's all good. Hey, yo, I'm going to jump off the phone, bro. I'm going to end this. is a long, long video. I know a lot of guys are actually taking this to the gym. I'm seeing as as we go along, we have a lot of people watching, and it's a long video. So we're going to we're gonna cut it short. Did I answer everything that you needed? Yep. Cool, man. Nice talking to you again. Thanks again. See you. All right. Bye-bye. That's it, guys. I'm done. hope this uh, brought you some value. Um streetcoptraining.com if you need to know when the next class are coming up you are trying to get to that next level in your career. Bye-bye.